Welcome everybody to Spirit of Grace Church, and we're so glad that you're able to be with us here this morning. Thank you for joining us on Facebook and those that are on Zoom. We're excited about being a part of the kingdom of God and seeing what God will do uh, in this day. Praise God. We're going to sing a little bit. We want to encourage you to worship and praise in your homes, just like we're in the sanctuary together. Looking forward to that day more than ever. And uh, then also we're going to just share a word of the Lord uh, from the word of the Lord with you in just a few minutes. But let's open with a word of prayer. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. We thank you for the opportunity to gather online and worship you. You are the great creator, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We'll give you praise and glory in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great 
together in person. Um, I'm thankful for the presence of God and his faithfulness. Amen. I'm glad that no matter what we are hearing in the media, what we're hearing from all across the world, um, and in very many cases from people that we know and love dearly, um, he is still on the throne. He is still in charge. And we can believe and trust in what he says. He will never leave or forsake us. And we can believe in who he says we are in him. We are powerful and mighty in him. And we are his children. And I'm thankful that I can trust his word. Amen. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am. Free last he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. The sun sets free, always oh, free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Oh, I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free, always free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God, yes I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. We're going to sing a very old song um, called The Open Door. Um, it's been requested, but it's also um, a great message for us right now because 
There is a door opening. I believe there's a spiritual awakening happening and we have got to be ready all across the world and we have to be ready as, as spirit of grace to walk through that new door of anointing and opportunity to reach our community and the communities around us. Amen. Beyond the open door. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Break in our hearts, oh God. Help us to hear your voice clearer than ever before, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Isn't God good? Praise God. I'm glad that he gives us an open door to walk through. And uh, thank you to my wife and Owen for helping us out with music. That way you don't have to hear me sing. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to uh, go to the word of the Lord. Uh, if you have your Bibles today, I'm going to go to a couple places. I want to start in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're so glad that you've joined us today all across, uh, really around the world. We've had some people from overseas that have joined our Facebook uh, broadcast as well. And then uh, it was so nice to see today some of our young people from days past have joined us today. And so we're thankful for that and uh, thankful for all of our Spirit of Grace Church family members. We miss you dearly. We can't wait to come back together. Uh, in the house of the Lord and be able to worship together and hear all of our praise team and music and all of those things. It's going to be a great day. And I, I think we see the light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully it won't be too much longer till we're gathered back uh, at our sanctuary on Woodcrest. Praise God. I want to speak today and just kind of share my heart with you. It was October of 1988 that um, I was called into Pastor Trout's office in Dover, Delaware, and was hired for my first public ministry. And since that day, I've, I've watched a lot of things happen and go forth. And um, I've gotten, over the years, looking back over the almost 30 years or so of ministry, wondering <clears throat> what I... What, what's different today than, than even back then? And there's some things that have been happening really for 30 years, and I'm sure longer than that, but my reference point can only be 30 years, that has really, to a certain extent, uh, uh, has frustrated me. I'll just be honest with you. And I want to address some of that today, not in a negative way. I don't want, when I say frustration, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to get the point that I'm mad or angry about it, but... There's something that happens when you don't understand the perspective that God has for his people. And so I want to share that with the help of the Lord. And that is, my title today is simply this, stay in the present, stay in the present. And uh, we get too tied up in the past and too tied up in the future that we lose what's going on in the present. So reading from Matthew chapter six, I want to start at verse 31, and I want to remind you, if you have a red letter edition Bible, these are the words of Jesus, not Tim Sanders. And uh, so Jesus is speaking here. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 31, he says, so don't worry about these things, saying what we will eat, what will we drink, and what will we wear. Uh, now, these things, if you read earlier in that chapter, he's talking about uh, people that were worrying about what they were going to eat and drink and, and, and how they were going to live, basically. And so he gets down to this, and then in verse 32, he says something that is very strong and uh, very powerful and yet hits right to the core of who we are, and that is this. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, now, I'd like to think that I'm a believer, but I would be dishonest with you if I said I never worried about my future. I never worried about where I was going to get clothes or food or where we were going to live or what we were going to do because inside of each one of us has been taught and formed and formulated in us to be something that is always forward-looking. Um, the whole concept of a calendar. Uh, I, saw, I saw posted on Facebook earlier this week, the worst investment I ever made was a 2020 calendar because it's been thrown out the window. And, uh, and I kind of agree with that to a certain extent. But uh, then he goes on to say, in other words, that the, these thoughts dominate the unbelief. Jesus is telling you, if you're worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, what's going to happen tomorrow, you are categorizing yourself as those that are an unbeliever. 
And uh, those are strong terms. Again, a reminder that that's not me saying it. Jesus is telling me and you today that if the thoughts about our existence worry us, then we are stepping into an area of unbelief and we need to get to the place where the disciples even said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And so reading on a little bit more, it says, your heavenly father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And a lot of times when we read this passage, that's where we stop. But there is one more verse to this chapter and it says this, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And uh, here, here's where I'm coming from when, when I say I, I get frustrated by what's happened in perspective over the years is simply this. Every time there is something major that happens in the world, whether it be a hurricane, whether it be tornadoes, whether it be a virus, whether it be whatever, uh, we're constantly wondering what is going to happen tomorrow. How are we going to get our economy back up and running? How are we going to be safe? How are we not going to allow this virus to overtake us again? How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to work? And we get to the place where it takes away or drains us of today's joy, of today's mercy. And Jesus is saying, listen, I know what you need. I know what you need to have to survive. I know what you need to have to be effective. I know what you need to have to be at peace. And so stop worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow because tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Stop struggling with the things that, that are happening in the world because I have overcome the world. And uh, I don't want to sound callous today, but I want to change our perspective today. Uh, the Bible says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How you perceive things and how you think thing, think about things is what is going to eventually change your situation. Paul said it this way in, I believe it's in the book of Philippians. He said, I know how to both be content or how to abound and how to be abased. In other words, I know how to be content with whatsoever state I am. I can, I can dwell in the peace of God because he knows exactly where I'm at. So if I'm in the storm like we are and have been the last couple of weeks, he knows exactly where we're at. When everything is going well, he knows exactly where we're at. So why are we worried about what's happening around us? In the book of Philippians chapter 4, there's another passage of scripture that we like to quote and we like to talk about, but we don't like to apply very often. And uh, I heard a friend of mine using this in his message uh, to his church just a day or so ago. And uh, it's, it's Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. And uh, again, this kind of even sounds a little callous by the Apostle Paul to the Philippian church, but really it's not when you think about the hope that's behind it. Uh, Paul says it this way to the Philippian church. He says, don't worry about anything. He says that in a declarative statement. It's almost a command. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. If we prayed more about everything, we'd worry less about anything. And uh, tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. And if you'll do that, or, or the, the Bible uses the word then, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Uh, we are in a season where worry is a very high thing. Another word for worry is fear. And, and I was listening to some other churches uh, that were ahead of ours today and listening to uh, some things. And, and I read a post by my sister yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the day before, and talking about worry and, and fear. Listen, there's nothing to fear except fear itself, as the president once said, because fear and worry are not of God because God, the Bible says, is a very present help in the time of trouble. I believe that's in Psalm 34. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. 
God, see, what we fail to understand sometimes is that God, in his infinite wisdom, dwells on the outside of time. He dwells where he sees the big picture, and so he, he can distinguish the present from the past and the future. And I felt last night as I was getting ready for today that the Lord gave me an insight or a revelation, if you will. Um, everything that the devil has done throughout history has basically been because he has twisted what God has already done or how God operates. And so it becomes normal for us to follow that because it becomes natural to us. And, and what I felt like God uh, gave to me last night, and I hope that it blesses somebody. If it doesn't bless you, it blessed me. So we're just going to share it with you anyhow. And that is simply this. The devil operates in your past and in your future to affect your present. I'll say that again. The devil operates in your past and in your future so that it affects your present. Let me, and here's the problem with that is your past and your future can only happen in your mind because you can't fix the past. The past is the past. It's done. It's finished. The only thing that you can do with your past is bury it under the blood of the lamb. And when you bury it under the blood of the lamb, then that takes care of the past. The Bible says he washes it. He cleanses it. He, he removes it as far as the east is from the west. And when he does that, then all of a sudden your past disappears and it becomes just a thing that triggers your present. But then he reaches into the future and into the future he plays mind games with what's going to happen. You see, the problem with dealing with the past and the future is all you're dealing with is the what if syndrome. What if I had done this? What if I had been this way? What if I had gone this direction? Or what if I had made these choices? That's your past. And then he messes with your futures by saying, well, what if the stock market crashes? What if I lose my home? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? What if, what if, what if? It's the uncertainty that then of the past and the future that then buries your present in the midst of worry. And today I want to take you out of your future and out of your past and put you into the present today. Be in your present right now, right here. There, there's the, the 30 seconds before has passed and we haven't reached the next. So right now in our present is where God wants to operate. You see, I get frustrated not only with the fear that's out there in the media and the fear of this virus and the fear of our stock markets and the fear of our job situations and family members being sick. And, and, and it's, it's a very real thing. It's happening. Um, but what frustrates me is that the devil takes the future and the uncertainty of the future, and he causes us to think about things that you and I really can't control. I hate to say it, you can't control what this virus does. Even if you stay at home, the virus is going to do what the virus does. And, and, and now, please don't misunderstand me when I say this. We have to be smart. We have to use wisdom. We have to, we have to do what needs to be done. But what I'm saying is in our minds, we need to remove the worry of it and the fear of it. Worry and fear are almost interchangeable terms, if you will. Stop worrying about it. Do what Paul said. Don't worry about anything. Do what Jesus said. Don't worry about tomorrow. If, if the stock market crashes and your retirement goes belly up, God still knows where you're at and what you need. He, he, he still wants to be a part of your life. He knows exactly what's there. And so it's reassuring to me when I recognize that in my future, whatever comes, it's going to come. And the thing that is reassuring is that I know that God is going to be there because God says, I am with you even unto the ends of the earth. Listen, there's another thing that happens when these things go on. And I want to, this is the pastor coming out in me a little bit. I want to help somebody today. If you're not a member of Spirit of Grace Church, you can just take it or leave it. If you're a member of Spirit, well, you can take it or leave it if you're a member too. But, but I want to admonish you and, and challenge you because of this. There are people out there that operate in fear of the future 
but they claim it to be prophecy. Every single situation that I recall over the last 30 years of my ministry, when there has been a, a natural disaster, when there's been war, when there's been, all of a sudden the prophecies come out of the woodwork that this is what's happening and this is the end time and this is what's going on and this is, this is what's happening to the point where people become fearful of what's going on next and they almost are paralyzed because they're worried even though it's been a prophecy, even though uh, we've got men and women and, and, and I'm going to explain something in a minute, so hold on, don't turn me out yet or tune me out yet. There are people that take the, the events of Revelation and in well-meaning and in well-explanation, they breed fear in us because those are things in the future that we can't control regardless of, of, of what we're on. All we can control is our present. And, and so I, I enjoy reading the book of Revelation, but here's what I fear happens sometimes, whether it be the teacher that's teaching it or the listener that's hearing it. We forget the first verse of Revelations and we throw all this other stuff in and we try to fit the United States in here and we try to fit this event in here and the virus is this part of prophecy and this is, and, and I want us to be aware, but I don't want us to operate in fear because we forget what the first verse of the book of Revelation says and that is this, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. All of the stuff that happens in the book of Revelation and all of the prophecies that are coming forth, if they are not being used to simply reveal Jesus, they're being used, whether inadvertently or advertently, they're being used to cause fear in somebody's life. And I will say this, there are those, even preachers, I, I hate to say it, but there are those people that use the concept of prophecy to scare somebody into an altar, and God doesn't want to scare anybody into an altar. He wants to love somebody into an altar. He wants to make it aware that, yes, we are living in the last days. Yes, I believe the trumpet's going to sound. I, yes, I believe that there's going to come judgment upon the world. Yes, I believe all of those things. But when I look at those, because I have operating in the present and I can lean on God, I can say that's a thing of joy because it's one more second closer for him to call me home. Don't operate your life in fear, whether it be the fear of all the things that are happening in the secular world or the prophetic voices that are that are preaching doom and gloom and, and all the things. And, and it may happen. Please don't misunderstand me. These prophets may be right. We may face the crashing of a market. We may face all kinds of things that are going on. But Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And if I'm a child of God and I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus, that makes me more than a conqueror of the world. And so I don't operate out of sense of fear, but a sense of boldness and authority because my God dwells above the things of the world. And so I'm, I'm encouraging you today, step away from the fear. Don't listen to every prophecy or prophetic preacher. Now listen, please don't misunderstand me. I believe in prophecy. I believe that God gives a word but the word that God wants to give through the prophet is to reveal or to be the revelation of Jesus to somebody, not to cause fear and havoc. In the New Testament, I believe very strongly in the fivefold ministry, the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. I believe that very strongly. But there's been a misunderstanding of what the prophet does. The prophet, if you look deeply, the prophet of the New Testament church is one that explains the purposes of God, explains what's going on in the world. And so if they're explaining what's going on in the world and they're tying it to what God's purpose is, by all means, we listen and we, we, we fall in. But what's going to happen is if it's being done in a godly fashion, it's going to trigger an excitement in us, not a fear in us. It's going to, it's going to ignite a passion for Christ not a fear of judgment. In other words, the Bible says it this way. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter eight. There is therefore no, now no condemnation to them who are love God and are called and to be the children of God and follow after his spirit. So if, if there's something that is said or done across the airwaves and something begins to happen and it triggers fear and worry in you about our future, I'm sorry, that's not 
conviction, that's condemnation. If it spurs an excitement to draw closer to God, if it spurs a desire to find him, then it's God using that prophet to speak and reveal the heart of Christ because the heart of Christ is saying, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So the question becomes the flip side of what the devil does. The devil uses your past and he uses your future to affect your present. What does God do? God does it exactly the opposite. God steps into your present so your past is effective and your future is effective. In the right now of today, at this very moment, God is wanting to step into somebody's life and affect your past. How does he want to affect your past? He wants to erase it by his blood that he shed at Calvary. If you fall at the throne of God and you beg mercy and forgiveness in repentance to him, the Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to wash us white as new fallen snow. And I want you to know that in the present, in the right now, now he can erase all of the past of your life and negate all of that. So when the past tries to whisper into your spirit again, you can say, oh, no, 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 no. I am dwelling in the present of God and God's presence says my past is erased so I can silence my past. There are too many people that are still struggling with their past when God wants to step into your present so that he can erase your past. And, and I know we're not together, but I would call an altar call and have you come to the altar for all of you that are dealing with your past. So I'm going to do it right in your living rooms. If you have a place in your past that has been troubling you, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where God can be that ever-present help in the time of trouble and can step into your life and make you clean and make you whole and make you righteous and declare you to be his child. And when you become his child and you take on his name, you take on all of the riches of glory and the inheritance of heaven. And all of heaven is at your disposal. And heaven doesn't look to the past. Heaven looks to the present. And so I can stand in the presence of God in my very living room and I can say, I am blood washed, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized in Jesus name. I am cleansed by the power of the blood of the lamb. My past has been erased. It's been forgotten by God. And if God will forget it, then I might as well forget it too. We like to say and preach, well, if it's in the Bible, we preach it. And if it's not in the Bible, we don't preach it. But listen, it's in the Bible that he forgets it. So I'm going to preach to you today, forget your past if you have reached the foot of the cross. But he also steps in your presence, in your present to affect your future. Listen, I can look to the future with joy. Trisha sang about it today beyond the open door. There is a great door that's open and effectual unto us that if we're willing to step into it by faith, God has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a desire, he has a destiny that you and I as the church of the living God, and I'm talking whether just to our specific church people right now, uh, a spirit of grace church or the church universal, I believe that God uses things like this virus or wars or hurricanes canes or all kinds of things for the church to step to the forefront and become a powerful army of God to wreak havoc on the, the kingdoms of hell and allow the power and the presence of God to move forward. Listen, if Jesus comes today or tomorrow, so be it, we'll dance around the throne of God together. If we're here another 50 years and, and, and I'm walking around with my walker, I'm going to still worship him because I know that my Redeemer lives and I I have the opportunity to dwell with a power and a presence of the future because my present has been buried in the blood of the lamb. I don't look to the future with fear. If my stocks, my stock market, if the, the Dow Jones crashes, if our economy crashes, God's going to take care of us. If we're going to struggle, we're going to struggle, but God's going to get us through the struggle. If God, I, I don't mean to sound callous. I want to sound hopeful today. Because Jesus lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he's in me right now, I know what my answer is in the future. My answer is not in my retirement fund. My answer is not in my home. 
home. My home needs some work. My home's going to need more work as the years go on. My cars are going to break down. All the stuff of this world is going to fall apart. So I don't put my trust in those things. But when I trust in him, the Bible promised us, we read in Matthew 6 today, that when I seek his kingdom first, or when I think about his kingdom, all these things are added unto me. And then Paul says it in Philippians. He says, if you'll think on these things and not worry about anything but connect to him in prayer, then the peace of God. So today I am at peace about our future. I'm at peace about our past. I want to challenge you today to dwell in the peace of God. And I want to share with you how that is pictured and then we'll be done this morning. Jesus gives a parable in the 19th chapter of Luke. Luke chapter 19, and, and the parable is kind of a parallel, if you will, to Jesus ascending from this world and going to a far country, if you will, to be crowned king. You see, when Jesus left this earth in Acts chapter 1, when he ascended up on high, he was not yet crowned king of kings and lord of lords, except in the hearts of a few people. But there's coming a day, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he's the Lord. At that point in time, nobody will be able to doubt who the King of Kings is and who the Lord of Lords is. And so in Luke 19, Jesus gives this parable to let you kind of see what he's talking about. He went away for a moment. He's in the process of being crowned king of kings. And everybody that's able to and willing to come into the kingdom of God can crown him themselves. But there's coming a day where he will return to this earth and he will be crowned by every knee and every tongue. But, but he says this in verse number 12, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. And before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver saying, invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money, and he wanted to find out what their profits were. And the rest of the story goes down on what those servants did with what God gave them. But I want you to focus in on two things here today. And that is number one, the Bible says, uh, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, invest this for me while I'm gone. The King James Version uses the word occupy till I come. Invest this for me while I am gone. And then the next verse, notice that while the king was away getting crowned, the people that were around them, they didn't want them to be king. Does that sound familiar? Jesus ascends and how many people in the world want to crown him king today? There's people that hate him. There's people that hate, and because they hate him, they're going to hate you. And they're making policies and, and, they're, and there's paradigms of thought and there's all kinds of things happening in the world today not because they're against you but because they're against him remember the things that happen in the natural are oftentimes a reflection of that which is going on in the spirit world and there is a war going on for the mind of men and women because it's in the mind that our will makes a choice and so God has stepped into our present to change our past and our future and to remove worry and fear and this is the and so he's he's doing this here in Luke chapter 19, he's giving us a parable. This is how you overcome worry and fear. We don't need to worry and fear because of our future or our past. And this is the reason why we can do this is in verse number uh, 13. He says, invest this for me or occupy to like a tray. In other words, he's given us some resources that we need to activate. We need to activate. Listen, this is the principle of, that I was talking about a few minutes ago, God operating in the present to affect our future. The devil operates in our future to affect our past, but God operates in our present to affect our future. When you invest something, you are investing in the present to have something happen in the future. I have my retirement fund and I invest today so that when I'm ready to retire many, many, many years down the road, and I'm ready to retire, I'm still a young guy. Uh, when, when I get to that place, 
then I will have something in place in the future. But if I don't invest today, it won't affect my future. So Jesus is giving us a principle to overcome fear and worry, and that is take the things he has given us today and use them and invest in them today. What has he given us today? He's given us worship. So worship today. Put on some music and and, and go into your secret room if you don't have a good voice and you're afraid people are going to hear you make fun of you. Go into, just find a place in your car, drive down the street, turn the radio on and begin to worship and praise him and invest today in your worship because when you begin to invest worship, you can't have worship and worry operating at the same time. And the more you worship, the more you're going to overcome worry and fear. And then the other, somebody that prayed, Paul said it, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And so when you begin to pray, invest in prayer, invest in the word of God as you begin to open up the word of God. And we have challenged our family. It's sad to say, even as a pastor, we have failed in times past of not giving us our proper time as a family. But every night now, and and and, and we were, we're reading a book of a chapter of Proverbs. We're reading out of the New Testament. All the boys are, are, are reading, Trisha's reading. We're praying together. Why? Because the present is going to affect our future. And, and, and so if I'm investing in these things in the present, I don't have time to worry about what's going to happen. I can rest in him. I found it very interesting. Uh, I looked up to yesterday while I was preparing for this message today. And I just said, what? I, I, I punched into, I think it was Google, I don't know, Bing, whatever it is. I said, what is the opposite of worry? You see, worry and fear are kind of interchangeable terms. And uh, the Bible says God hasn't given us the spirit of fear or the spirit of worry. So if you're racked with worry today, that's not from God. Okay, God wants to give you a sound mind, love and peace and joy. And so what's the opposite of worry? And, I've, and I'm thinking, okay, I really wasn't sure what to expect. But can I tell you what the, the, the Google or Bing or whoever it was that I Googled, the opposite of worry came up as one word. And that word was this, trust. The opposite of worry is trust. And when I read that, I thought of the proverb, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Listen, I don't know what whole, what tomorrow holds. I don't know what's going to happen in the world. I don't know what's going to happen in our own families. I don't know what's going to happen in the stock market. I wish I had a, a, a magic ball that I could, I'd invest the right investment so that I'd reap the right benefit if I knew what was happening with the stock market. But here's what I do know, is if I acknowledge him in my present where God dwells in my present, the Bible has promised that he will direct my path. My path into the future is affected by my present right now. And so my challenge you to you today and in days to come, however long this stay-at-home uh, restrictions are and that this country is dealing with this virus, and, and, and maybe it's not just the virus. Maybe you're dealing with things. Maybe you've been isolated now, and because you've been isolated, you aren't as busy to, to crowd out the things that you should have dealt with already but you kept yourself so busy that you, but now they're confronting you mindsets and philosophies and thought processes, just like it did with us as far as having family prayer and, and reading the Bible, it, it God challenged us on that. And, and maybe, and we had just become so busy that, that we had neglected that and God has called us back to that. So maybe it's just that. Maybe it's not even actually the virus and the things, that, but you have been isolated and now you're confronting things that you thought you had dealt with when you actually hadn't dealt with it. You just got so busy that you hadn't confronted it. And now you're not very busy and it's hitting you in the face. Could it be that God has taken this time in this season to get us out of our future and out of our past and into the present? God is wanting to meet you today and speak to you in your present because he knows what's in the future. And in the future, he's preparing us for it in the present. 
Listen, don't let the adversary speak to you today from your past or from your future because all he's trying to do is trip you up in the present. Let God speak to you in your present and he'll take care of your past and direct you into your future. I don't know where you're at today. Hopefully you're home. <laughs> I don't know where you're at spiritually though today. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what's happening around you. But this is one thing I do. The psalmist promised he is a very present help in the time of trouble. He's present. He dwells in the present. He knows the present. So you need to dwell in the present. And I need to dwell in the present. And not worry about the past and the future. But rest easy in the arms of God. Lean not to, it, it doesn't make sense what's going on but just trust that he's in control. Acknowledge him in your present. Would you just bow your heads all across the online spectrum and just begin to reach out to him? Jesus, we need you right now, right here. I'm asking you to walk into every living room or kitchen or wherever somebody's watching this and listening to this. Maybe later on the podcast, they're listening to it. Wherever they're at, Lord, as they hear this, I am asking you to let them see their present because if you can affect their present, you'll cover their past and you will ignite their future. And when you ignite our future, it's not something to worry or fear about, but you, we can trust that you have the best thing for us. We can trust that you're going to send us down the path that you have chosen. And when we walk down the path that you have chosen, all things work together for good to them that love you and are called according to your purpose. Lord, I pray for those that are sick today, those that are hurting today. Go to their rooms right now and allow them to sense the presence of God settle in, the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we're praying about it right now because we're not going to worry about it. We're going to pray about it so that then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will settle in. Lord, if you should tarry, bring us back together online this week. And even more than that, if you should tarry, bring us back together in, in our sanctuary, together all across the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. I want to thank all of you uh, on Facebook for joining us today. Sh feel free to share this with your friends and your neighbors. Uh, more than anything, we just want to make a difference in somebody's life. And uh, we'll be back together at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. We're going to try it one more Wednesday night and uh, have it ready to go. We had no problems, it looked like, here today online, so thankful for that. And uh, hopefully Wednesday, this last Wednesday night was just a glitch. And uh, I'll probably incorporate some of what I started to teach on Wednesday again this Wednesday. God bless you, fake Facebook family, and we'll talk to you soon.